Welcome to Foul Players Radio, your podcast for arts, entertainment, and pop culture. My name is Michael Spedden, your host. Every episode features interesting people with fun, fascinating stories about their journeys in the performing arts. Authors, actors, musicians, dancers, athletes, comics, you name it. Sit back, relax, and have a listen. Let's have some fun. Foul Players Radio is a proud production of the Foul Players Group and a proud member of the SJ Network. And welcome again to the quarantine edition of Foul Players Radio. My name is Michael Spedden, and tonight's guest is Shannon Wilson. Shannon is an actress from New Jersey and a fellow actor with CPM Talent Management. She was recently in a movie called Snow Babies, which is on Amazon Prime. It's a powerful movie about how drug addiction can affect a family and teach us some very valuable lessons. I would highly recommend that you watch this. She's also appeared in Elementary and Atlantic City Chronicles, and she's a singer and a songwriter, and we will tell you where you can hear her material online. Subscribe for free to Foul Players Radio on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Overcast, Castro, CastBox, and iHeartRadio, or HTTPS foulplayersradio.buzzsprout.com. Make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star review. We'll be back with Shannon Wilson right after these words. Hello, listeners. I've got some great news from one of our former guests. Barbara Bustard has just released a book called The Art of Healing, 12 Step-by-Step Meditative Art Exercises for Improved Physical, Mental, and Spiritual Well-Being. Miss Bustard bears her soul and shows us who she is through her stories and exercises. This is a book to be felt and experienced, an artist's work. Art is a way to work through all that life gives us, whether it is happy, sad, or anything in between. Art is a creative, safe, healing, and everything special place. It is the place to work through the stress that underlies all disease. In her book, The Art of Healing, 12 Step-by-Step Meditative Art Exercises for Improved Physical, Mental, and Spiritual Well-Being, Miss Buster describes the process to make healing happen. The meditative exercises in this book are described in a very simple, clearly articulated manner. They are appropriate for any level of artistic experience. Just reading this book, Miss Buster's exercises touch you at a feeling level. You are moved from your thinking analytical brain to creative expression. It is available now on Amazon for $29, and it's gotten many positive reviews from readers so far. So pick up your copy today. Her website is artforbodymindandsoul.com. Also remember, the holidays are just around the corner. We all love to support our local small businesses and artists. Make sure you get your copy today. It makes a great gift. Foul Players Radio is now a proud affiliate of the SJ Network. If you're a performer, an actor, musician, filmmaker, author, you name it, in need of a good publicist, call Steve Joyner, 816-605-4561, or you can email him at stevesjnetwork at gmail.com. He has many years of experience in the entertainment business. He's competent, confident, and takes great care of his clients. He would be the publicist for you. Call Steve at 816-605-4561 or stevesjnetwork at gmail.com. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Chris Fristali of Breaking the Fourth Wall. If you enjoy our show, you can find it on YouTube. Just look up Realm of the Mist Entertainment or just look up Realm of the Mist Entertainment on Anchor.fm, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, or wherever quality podcasts can be heard. And also you can find us on all the social medias. Just look for Realm of the Mist Entertainment. And I will catch you on the other side. I'm Michael, the host of the semi-monthly podcast, In a City Like Yours. Join me as I chat with interesting people with interesting life stories. You can listen to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. You can follow us on Twitter at IACLYS Podcast, as well as on Facebook and Instagram at In a City Like Yours Podcast. Please feel free to let me know what you think. And keep coming back for the many interesting stories in a city like yours.
Hey, this is Don Smith from the Life Radio Show. If you've always wanted to learn more about the world of low-budget filmmaking and even lower-budget comedy, tune into the Life Radio Show. You can live stream the show at www.su1069.org on Tuesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Or find us wherever you find podcasts and like and follow the Life Radio Show on Facebook for live video and other shenanigans. Hey, what's up? This is Christopher Stolle of Realm of the Mist Entertainment. The podcast you are listening to is part of the SJ Network. Go to s-j-network.com. That's s-j-network.com for more great podcasts and information on those shows, as well as information and an ability to contact publicist Steve Joyner for more information. Just go to the website and check out the family, ladies and gentlemen. Until then, enjoy the show. So, Shannon, we finally get to have you on Foul Players Radio. Welcome aboard. It's good to speak with you tonight. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've been looking forward to this for a while here. You know, of course, you know, we have the same management company. We're both with CPM Talent Management with uh, the uh, one and only Georgian. Georgian, yes. Absolutely. And, um, you know, we have, uh, you know, both been, you know, doing fairly well under her. You know, she's done a great job. I tell you, you want to talk about somebody that hustles, you know. Um, We love her. Love her. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, this is, uh, I've had quite a few CPM, uh, folks on the show. I had Liz Priestley, you know, a while okay. back. Um, I had, uh, Caitlin Bassett a, few, a while back. I've had Satomi Hoffman, uh, who's just wonderful. And, um, not only does she give good management, she also sends me great guests, you know, so I'm, <laughs> I'm really enjoying George Ann right now, you know, so it looks like you've had a pretty good year, you know, I mean, when uh, you're, you know, Sounds like you just kind of said shut down, schmut down, you know, um, you've got, it looks like three projects that are in pre or post production. Mm -hmm. Uh, you had a really good movie come out this year and it looks like you got a couple of other things that are going on here. So, so awesome. This is just great news. I'm happy to hear this. And, um, so tell us about what you have, I guess, in the works, if you're allowed to, whatever uh, we realize that there are, um, that there are like borders you can't cross. Yes. You know, um, can you tell us anything? Yes. Um, so right before COVID, I did book some cool stuff. And then I shot one day for a Netflix show and then everything was shut down. So hmm. I really just started working again the last month. Right. So I was in it with everybody else. But um, yeah, I had Snow Babies is a film about a heroin. We can talk about that. I know you watched it. Um, I played the mother of a 16-year-old mm-hmm. heroin addict, but I booked that in 2018. Oh, okay. So, yeah, Diane Erie recommended me to, recommended that I read for the part. They couldn't find the mom. I was the last person to book. Huh. They couldn't find the right person, and um, that was supposed to be a smaller role, and then it became a bigger role for me. So that's I'm super grateful to Bridget Smith and Mike Walsh, and. Uh, so that, you know, when you do an independent film, you kind of have to wait a while for it to come out. Yeah, yeah, you sure do. <laughs> you sure do. find the right distribution. So we were so pleased to see um, that come out on September 29th, which you can stream. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have another film that I can't talk about, had to sign an NDA, but that's shooting in Philly. Mm-hmm. And then Halston, which is about the iconic 70s direct uh, designer. It stars Ewan McGregor. Mm-hmm. And I... Uh, get to play a part on, on that show, which I'm super excited about. Well, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And you said that you, uh, when you auditioned for snow babies, it was with Heary, Diane Heary out of Philly. Uh, yeah. So it wasn't, I didn't go into the office. Right, like right. George called me and said, Diane recommended you, can you put this on tape? Oh, and right, so, right, right. Yeah. Right. So I did a, this is just, is, I, I put it on tape and then George called back shortly after and said, they love you. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to meet with you at Panera bread in Pennsylvania on Saturday at 10. <laughs> and so I said, I thought, thank God the first, my first thought was thank you for not making me have to do a callback mm-hmm. because I get so nervous at those. And sometimes I want to be like, just, you saw what I did. I'm not mm-hmm. going to do any better than that. Um, if you bring me in for a callback, I'm going to bomb. <laughs> um, and so, and I'm not going to get the part. So they just wanted to meet me, Bridget and Mike have a conversation and they offered me the part right there. 
Wonderful, wonderful. That, yeah, well, that's great. That's great. And I have to say, you know, that that was a very well done movie. You know, I really, it was. I was really, um, you know, I, I watched it and I was just intrigued by the whole thing. It was a heck of a story, and um, you know, there there was a very very valuable lesson that came with that movie too. Um, when you watch it, uh, you know, mm-hmm. just about you know keeping an eye on your kids and, you know, when you see these things, tell somebody, you know, because, you know, I I could see how that character, you know, the young girl really got out of hand quick and, um, you know, uh, things just seemed like they just kept, kept getting worse and worse and worse. Um, which people hit rock bottom, right. On drugs. Next thing it happens that way. And we're all well-meaning parents. Oh yeah. yeah. We're just busy parents that just would never suspect that our kids are on heroin. Um, and then, but it's an epidemic and it's happening and it's happening like crazy. And they interviewed actual heroin addicts that are kids and Uh teenagers and they took their stories and put it into the film. So a lot of it's pretty hard to watch, but it's, you know, stories that we were told. Right, right, right. Yeah. I, you know, that, that, that is such a big thing nowadays too, especially with, um, you know, people, it seems like, you know, they, I guess, you know, the medical community years ago must've kind of over prescribed these painkillers and these uh-huh. opioids. And then once those don't do it for you, people end up graduating to all the uh, wonderful things they can buy on the street. And, um, you know, there, there, there's just like just a major epidemic with this nowadays. And, yeah. um, and hopefully, you know, just by, you know, kind of reenacting or, you know, or I guess dramatizing a situation like that, you know, maybe, maybe it could help some parents, you know, um, look for some things that maybe they didn't think about before because, um, you know, I, I had heard, you know, I mean, I've, I've heard of people, you know, doing these things, but I never knew that people used to, you know, shoot it to their tongue to cover up scars or whatever, um, you know, um, you know, besides, you know, watching a good movie, I mean, I think there's some things that people could, you know, learn about and really, you know, get a good lesson from by watching it. Um, Thank you. And, yeah, that's our hope. Yeah. yeah. And and everybody's, you know, um, performances were so good. You know, I mean, I, I really I believed you. Um, you know, my friend Ken Arnold you know, played your yeah. husband in that movie. Um, great. He was just a wonderful, you know, he, he's a great actor. I've, I've seen yeah. him in a lot of things. I've watched a lot of his work and he's also been a guest here on Foul Players Radio too. Um, just, uh, just, you know, just wonderful performances all the way around here. And, um, I just can't say enough about it. I watched it the other night and I just really, really enjoyed it. And I was very impressed. You know, you should all uh, give yourselves a good pat on the back, you know? <laughs> Thank you so much. And Ken was so sweet too, because he's been doing this for a really long time. Yeah. In yeah. fact, I said, um, "Have you ever played an astronaut?" And he's like, "Yeah, Buzz Aldridge, and I think it was First Man." And uh-huh. I'm like, "I knew it." And he's such a nice guy. And there were certain things they would say because it was my first film. Mm-hmm. I'm like, "What does that mean? What are they saying?" And he, mm-hmm. like, that plant isn't where it was before. And he goes, "Not our job." You know, <laughs> it's right, like he, right. he he helps me so much on a set with a film that way um, that I really, really, and to have someone like that to work alongside who's such a veteran, mm-hmm. I just really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he is really good, and um, yeah, he he also you know, I, you know sort of teaches. He runs an actors club too that I know a number of people that attend it, and um, you know he, he's real. He's always been like a real like mentoring take under his wing yeah, kind of guy, you know, um, really, really good at that. And he's a good guy to know and a good guy to have around. Definitely. Yeah. He's a sweetheart. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and I was just looking too. um, you know, you've got, you know, you know, a lot of other things that you've done, you know, it looks like some television series, um, here on your resume as mm-hmm. well as, um, you know, the, you know, the films and things like that, that you kind of have in the works here. Um, you know, so uh, I was looking at you know Elementary. I've seen mm-hmm. that show before. That has uh, was it, is, is, Johnny Lee Miller, right? And is Lucy Lou the actor? That's right. Yeah, that is her from Charlie's Angels. Yeah, yeah. What was that experience like for you? That was my first big booking where because I'd been going up to New York. I've been, for six years. I've been auditioning and pounding the pavement, and mm-hmm. trying to break into this, and that was my first. Uh, big booking and so I was very nervous. I get very nervous and <laughs> Don't I, I love train spotting. That's one of my favorite films. And just working with Johnny Lee Miller, we had to stand in this little closet. It was right off of the set. Mm-hmm. Um and we had to stand in this broom closet basically and then 
walk out of it one at a, at a time. It was like we were coming from a room. Mm-hmm. And I'm standing, I mean, practically nose to nose with this guy who I just <laughs> think is so cute. And I loved love his work. Mm-hmm. And I was sweating. I'm like, my armpits are really sweating. And he goes, <laughs> that's nice. You know, and I'm trying try to make, he's trying to make small talk with me and he's super nice. And I just, I was just, my heart was pounding and I'm like, just don't F up the two words you have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that was a, it's intimidating, but they were, they were so nice. Mm-hmm. And um, it's fun to see myself, you know, elementary plays, it's syndicated now. So mm-hmm. It's every now and then I'll see my, you know, I'll see that episode on, which is cool. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's great. I, I, I know what you mean too by having, I guess, the first thing that you said you booked, uh, being a national TV show. You know, because Elementary was a pretty widely known show and everything. My first one was Gotham, and I yeah. got that one. And I'd only been with George Ann, you know, at CPM just for a couple of months, and I ended up getting that one. And I was like, wow, you know, um, and I tell you, when you walk out there, it's when you get on these sets, it's like, welcome to the pros, isn't it? They are. They are pros. And I did Hack. Remember when Hack was filmed in Philly mm-hmm. yeah. years ago with David Morris? I booked a part in that. Mm-hmm. And I was modeling at the time. And I went on that audition. My manager, my agent at um, Reinhardt at the time sent me out. So I had been on a television show for CBS. And David Morris is a big actor. But I didn't feel nervous really because i'm like what do i have to lose it's like crazy that i booked this part and Mm -hmm. so there's more pressure there was more pressure now with it and you're right the pros i mean they just they do it 12 to 14 hours a day oh yeah and they have their lines and they memorize their lines and it's just they just move and Mm -hmm. it's it's really i walked by a room you may have seen this in gotham too you know they have them all in a it was in uh brooklyn Mm-hmm. But yeah. I'm like, man, they have a lot of security here. Yes, they, have a they lot do. Of police officers, but it was it was police officers dressed up for um, not not Law and Order, but one of those shows. Oh, it was FBI <laughs> or something. Extras, yeah. Yeah. So you were at Steiner. Yes, I think I was at Steiner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's where Gotham was filmed too. At Steiner Studios, right there on uh, right not far down from the. Uh, I could look out the window and see across the river to Manhattan, and you could see the Brooklyn Bridge in the background too. Um, yeah, yeah, that was. They film all, all sorts of shows there. God, it was amazing. I mean, it was like I, I kind of described it as, as like a ten-story super Walmart. Yeah, that's With different sets. I walked by where they filmed. I forget what show it was, but it was like the medical room, mm-hmm. operation room, and it's like walking through a dollhouse or something, right? But with sets. Mm-hmm. I know, I know, I know. And with all the ones they had for Gotham when I was in that, I mean, there was just these huge, gigantic sets, one right next to another, as if you were walking through, you know, just a room and you look in and instead of it being a living room, it's like a whole, it's like the mayor's palace or city yeah, hall it's so or something cool. the way like They have that. the windows lit. It looks like it's, and then you watch the show and you're like, that's all filmed inside of a studio. It's really cool. It was, it was. And the thing is that, that I get so fascinated with is, um, I, I am just absolutely fascinated with um, things like uh, special effects, lighting, um, lighting, yeah, blood, um, just you know how, how prosthetics are used and makeup and all the things that are just used to create the illusions that we see on television and. Um, even, even the computerized things where, you know, it, it, they may not have something or they may be using like a blue screen or a green screen, and then they're able to make something, you know, that's in the scene, you know, with a computer. I mean, yeah. I, I, I could just watch the production people all day. I can just sit there and look at the, and just watch with a big old thing of popcorn, you know, <laughs> just watch and be entertained and completely in th- yeah. you know, just impressed by this whole thing, they, you know. They know what they're doing for sure. Right, right. You know, I mean, I just uh, I recently had a Hollywood stuntman on um, as a guest, and he was telling me a lot of things that they do. You know, the things that they come up with because he does both stunts and special effects. Uh, you know, all the uh, materials that have been made and all the things that have been made to look like blood, to look like this and that, and how to make things blow up a certain way. I mean, there's such a science and such a there is. It's just I, I'm just fascinated by that kind of thing, and mm-hmm. um, and even the things that I saw on Gotham, you know, I didn't realize that the puddles of blood that you know, like whenever there's a killing scene in a show, that the puddles of blood are actually mats. They're not like a puddle. 
you know, they're oh, actually. Oh, I just, didn't know that either. Yeah, they're actually just a like a like a uh, gel mat that they oh, put down. Oh yes, okay, yes, yeah, like they, a, like a latex or a, like a plastic type of thing. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I, I auditioned for Gotham so many times. I've auditioned for, well, it's not on anymore, but I auditioned for that probably four or five different times. And it was like PTA mom, uh, PTA mom who, who turns into a maniacal laughing woman. You right. Know? <laughs> <laughs> and the auditions, it was with, you know, Josie at Kimbisha. And this, mm-hmm. just some of the auditions were so funny. And I'm like, how maniacal does this laugh need to be? <laughs> right, right. Well, you know what was funny about my character? You know, my character, um, according to Oswald Cobblepot, was um, he was big, mute, and dumb as a post. Okay. Oh, and apparently... Apparently, I've got that written all over me, you know, because when I went in to audition, I tried out for two parts in the episode I did. One was Dale, the one that I got, um, and I was just this big, you know, I was supposed to be muscle. I was this big, you know, dumb-looking, you know, uh, big guy that was supposed to be a heavy. um, And then the other one I tried out for was like a humanoid that apparently rips people to shreds. It was like a monster. So um, I had to make snarling noises and dumb faces. No was that lines. The one where you at, did you come in and attack a woman who was dressed like a PTA person at school? No, 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 no. Because okay. um, I, I remember somebody something came in and like tore up people. Right, right. Yeah, there was one um, that may have been in a previous episode. I was in the very last season. Um, oh, okay. I was. In, did uh, you get residuals from it? Yes, I did. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that great? Oh, that is that is nice. That comes in handy definitely when you're not expecting it, and all of a it's sudden, fun. yeah, it is. I mean, I don't get that many. It's and there sometimes it's like thirty cents. Y- yes, you know that does happen. <laughs> you know that does happen. You know, um, I, I don't want to give out you know like names and amounts and everything like that. But there's uh, one guest I had that told me. Um, you know, he gets residuals every year for a well-known showing of a movie that he was in. And um, since the movie's been out for so long and they've been doing this thing for so long, it ends up being a check for like a dollar and 30 cents. Right. You know, and, um, you know, I'm, and and then I'm like, you know, does your agent still take their commission out of that too? Or is it a, <laughs> or do you just say, hey, uh, get me a soda next time you see me or something, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I know. That's nice because they, they, it gets smaller and smaller the longer. But even, it's just still, even when it's 30 cents or 80 cents, I, I always am like, it's just something. It's mm-hmm. it's so cool. It just means that you, you know, you worked and um, mm-hmm. you booked something. It it does. It does. Yeah, it, it's, it's it's just, it's, it's really great. You know, it, I like getting those, you know, and they, uh, and plus, you know, you get to see, uh, you know, your name on there with uh, the network is usually at the, uh, you know, on the name of the check in the upper left-hand corner, you know, which is really cool. Pay to the order of, you know, me from this company, you know, like it's really right. wild, you know. <laughs> yeah, whenever you get a little, uh, any, any, when Georgianne sends me something from like a, um, if they buy out a pharmaceutical something, you're like, oh, they renewed it. That's so great. I just love, it's just, you know, it's good. Mm-hmm. It's good for her. It's good for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. We want to keep her chugging too, you know, so uh you try, you know, you, you you do your best at every one of these that you get, you know. Um, it, it's just, you know, sometimes I just like, yeah. I, I've taken a lot of classes lately, and I think I've gotten better at auditioning. But when you go in there, it's just, it just seems like I don't know what they want. And then sometimes I'm just always afraid if I make a choice, I made the absolute one eighty wrong choice. You know, that what they as compared to what these your casting folks really want, you know, or what the director think, would want, you know? I think if you go in there with just a choice, mm-hmm. it shows them that you put thought into it. So right. it could be a completely wrong choice where they're like, that is not what the character is about at all. Mm-hmm. But they see that you made a choice. So really, it's different now because we're not auditioning in person. It's all, you know, tapes. But when you go back in and you think about that or you have your auditions again in the room, mm-hmm. just think, turn them around and be like, I am so, my friend Geraldine Lear, who's on Manifest and just did a Hallmark movie. Um, she told me once, she said, uh, prepare, make your choice. And then before you walk in the room, say and to yourself, I am so excited to show them what I'm going to do with this character. Mm-hmm. And I started doing that and it changed my mindset and I started booking more. Right. Right. Yeah. I or getting callbacks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I have been getting, um, you know, I, I, I've, I have booked, you know, a number of jobs, but then I have also, um, 
I've noticed I have been getting more callbacks this year, um, which is because I've been working with, um, you know, a couple of people that George Ann has referred to me mm-hmm. and, um, you know, that, that they've done a great job and, you know, but, but that was just the one thing, you know, um, you know, I just don't always know that the thing that I'm always worried about is when I do something and I think something looks okay, I don't know how I look to the people watching it. You know, I mean, I've always mm-hmm. been reliant, you know, when I did theater and things like that, I've always relied on the director. The audience or the director, right? Yeah, to kind of tell me, you know, how I should turn, how I should stand, you know, what looks right and what doesn't. Um, but a lot of times when you go to, you know, just an audition or something, um, and it's not one where you're just standing there, you know, where they actually want you to move around a little bit. I'm just always just kind of paranoid about like, you know, am I moving right? Am I presenting right? Does it look right? Yeah. You know, I don't know if you ever go through that yourself, but that's just something that I, uh, you know, um, yeah, you know, that's something that I just, um you know, think about all the time, you know, <laughs> I, I get terrible with my, ner- my nerves. Um, mine are more about the lines. I just want to make sure I have the lines memorized. Right. And right. once I, once I've realized that's not so important and if I flub a line, just look down at the paper, mm-hmm. um, that took a lot of pressure off. Um, I had to really find ways to calm my heartbeat and that was just changing my mindset to, I'm so you know scared or so nervous to, I'm so excited that I'm pursuing this and that I have this opportunity to audition for the show. Mm-hmm. Like it's my mantra. I have to do that because it slows my heart rate down. I can go in there. I can listen to the director because when you're nervous, you're not hearing what they're saying. Right. Right. When the casting director's like, okay, so you're walking in, blah, blah, blah. And they're giving you instructions. Um, if you're nervous, you're thinking about your lines. You're not hearing what they just said. Mm-hmm. So um, Julie Tucker is really good. In New York, mm-hmm. if you can take a class with her from Ross, uh, from Meyerson. Oh, right. Ross right. Meyerson's great. That they they are really helpful um, with their classes. Mm-hmm. I find. Okay, okay. I've yeah. I've taken um, I've taken them from Jill Stern before. Oh, Jill's fantastic. Uh, Jill's yeah. my first t- teacher. Yeah. Taken so many classes and used her for auditions. She's wonderful. Well, she helped prep me for the uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt audition, mm-hmm. and I booked it. Yeah, I booked it. I was actually yes, taking her good class. Luck charm. Yeah, yeah, she's great too. I mean, she she comes up with some really really interesting ideas a lot of times when you're um you, you know, when you come to her with a scene and everything. Um I, I see when she starts looking at it and the wheels in her head start turning. Mm-hmm. And I can just tell, you know, and, and she comes up with some really interesting ideas on how to, you know, especially when you're doing home taping and things like that. Um you know, how to set the scene up and everything and how to, uh, and she gives really good feedback and stuff too. Yeah, she does. Honest feedback. You mm-hmm. know, you can really, she can, I've had, she, to where she goes, you're doing the exact same thing. You're, you're still doing it. You're mm-hmm. doing that, you know, eye check or whatever it is, whatever mm-hmm. it is, you know, she'll call you out on it in a really good, positive way. I, I really love working with her. Oh yeah, I do too. I do too. Um, yeah, my wife and I have been working with her, um, we we did a little bit of um and we we both took her class gosh I, I, it, this pandemic has got my mind so messed up as yeah, to I when know, things were. Off. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I know it was like last year and this year a bit too, and um you know like I I, I thoroughly enjoy it every time I go and everything and um you know it, it's just it's really well done and something you know when I you know have the opportunity to do it I really like to do it you know. Everybody should take classes. I mean, it is challenging and, you know, they, they all the, the good actors do. I mean, it just kind of, you need help on how to, just your timing, especially in television in New York, the mm-hmm. way the script's written, you have to have timing. It's written with a certain cadence mm-hmm. and it's written with a certain tempo. And if you don't know that, um, then you'll go in there. They, they want people that can get that. And, mm-hmm. and you don't know that until you start taking some classes in New York. And Jill, Jill especially auditions herself. So mm-hmm. really understands that market. Sure. Yeah. She, and she, yeah, she knows what all the different, and th- and that's the thing too. Um, if you show her, you know, who you're auditioning for, 
you know, she she's also, in that room probably. Yeah, she knows all the casting directors, and she kind of knows what you know this person likes as compared to what that person likes too, and that's always very helpful as well. Yep. You're not going in there as blind as you would, you know, normally do. Exactly. Yep. Yep. You know. So, um, so you are also, um. A musician and a songwriter here, uh, but before we get into that, we are going to have to take a quick break here for some uh, some promos that we have to run. Uh, you're listening to Shannon Wilson here on Foul Players Radio, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. Stick around. Howdy, it's Matt Gwynn here, popping in to let you know about the adventures of the albino rhino. It's a show, uh, Frank the Giraffe here, my host James Godwin and myself put on for you guys twice a week. Uh, every Wednesday, we talk to a comedian. And every Friday, we call it Freaky Friday. The show itself is not safe for work. And that freak is definitely a different word. I just don't know what podcast you're going to be listening to this promo on. And I don't want to, uh, you know, start screaming explicatives while you're sitting in your office. If you're lucky enough to have been able to go back to the work that you did before inside of an office or whatever, you know. But we go on a, an adventure twice a week, and it's a good time because we get to sit down and talk to some really cool people. Uh, and I enjoy it because, you know, I'm just curious little albino who uh, likes to get to know folks. You know, you can find us a couple ways, actually multiple ways, really. Man, there's a lot of different ways to find us. You can find us through our central hub, which is www.albinorhino.me. It's the website find me on and then you know the podcast you can find the videos on youtube search for adventures of the albino rhino also linkable from our website and you can also find us through anchor breaker google podcasts apple podcasts overcast radio public and spotify that's right we're on the same place joe rogan is granted we're not we're not the joe rogan experience but you know what i mean we're there we're there so give us a listen promise you won't be Promise you won't be dissatisfied and enjoy your day. going on minions mike here for misery point radio and you're listening to the coast to coast power hour on the sg network now i know what you're thinking mike what the f is a coast to coast power hour well my uneducated and uninformed friend the coast to coast power hour is a board like collective of epic podcasters from epic podcasts that have all come together to discuss the important things in life pop culture current events random awesomeness stuff like that trust me you need this in your life for more information on this show and all the shows on the coast to coast power hour as well as on the sj network reach out to publicist steve joiner at www.s-j-network.com or steve sj network at gmail.com no need to thank me i'm just out here you know changing lives What Your Effin' Binge is a podcast brought to you by Chris, Anchor, and Spotify. And what we talk to our guests about is what they're currently binge-watching on TV. And uh, what we do is we like to uh, take a different approach. I don't want to know what the name of the show is that they're going to talk about before they come on. I have to actually guess it. So I ask them who, what, when, where, why, and uh, try to figure out what it is that they're watching. A lot of times I'm able to guess it. And sometimes I'm not, and that's fine. That adds to the comedy of the show. We like to bring our guest on, whether they're a model or an actress or a producer or a musician, and just let them have a platform to be able to tell everybody what they have coming up next and also entertain everybody with what's worth watching. So I hope everybody tunes in for the next episode of What's Your Effin' Binge. Thanks. It's Chris. And we're back with Shannon Wilson. So Shannon, you were telling me, um, you know, 
over the time we've been, you know, kind of getting to know each other a little, that you are also musical. You're a musician, you're a singer, songwriter. So tell us a little bit about that. Now, when did this start for you? Um, well, I played, I grew up playing piano and, um, I play guitar and I, about five years ago, I thought, you know what, I'm going to start writing songs to guitar, which I kind of always did, but mm -hmm. I just thought I'd put some, put some time into it. Right. Right. And someone told me there was a guy that lived a town over from me who was a previous, a former studio musician in Nashville for, mm -hmm. for years and years. His name's Jim Heffernan. So, and then he had a little studio here, um, near me and so I, I texted him and I went in and he and I just hit it off and I've I've done five songs with him oh okay and he's he can play anything he's got musician friends everywhere and he just produces such great sound and I actually just texted him today because I haven't I have another song I want to record with him I haven't recorded a song in a couple of years mm -hmm. um it comes and goes I, I I can't I try to block it a little bit where I like right now I focus on acting and, and I'm a parent. So it, it takes time to kind of think about a song. If you have a metal melody in your head, it kind of drives you crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of block that out of my brain, but I have this one that I want to, I want to do. So I think I'm going to go in next week and work with them. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I've, I enjoy recording too. I haven't done that in a very long time. Um, I still play as well. I have, um, I did bands for a long time, you know, full electric bands. And recently, um, I'd say, you know, probably for the past 15 years, what I've done for the most part has just been an acoustic duo with a friend. And we write original silly songs and go out and perform them for whoever will have us. Um, but the thing is, I, I agree with you that it goes through spurts with me. You know, I think I've written probably close to 75 songs and I think I've forgotten half of them, <laughs> but, um, I go through phases where even when I was, this was all I was doing, I'd like, you know, rattle out like five or six songs and then nothing for a while and then rattle off another five or six more, maybe two or three more at a time. And, um, it would it would go through phases, and then the thing is too is that you know when I would get a theater gig or a show I was in, I wouldn't play very much just because my time was taken you know performing there, and uh, but then when I you know get back in for a while, I'd rattle off a few more songs or something. So I understand what you mean when it you know it does go in phases like that, you know. Mm -hmm. Yep, and um, so uh, what 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 um, music inspired you? What kinds of uh, music did you like growing up, or uh, what? you know, inspires you now in your writing? Well, um, I love Emmylou Harris and Dolly Parton. Sure. Bruce Springsteen. I love music that tells stories. Yes. Where you can really feel, I, I really do like any, and I, I don't say this, I know, I know a lot of people say these things, but I really love all genres of music from mm -hmm. rap to um, Johnny Mathis to all sorts of things. But what, what inspires me as a songwriter are that kind of folk music where you really feel like you're there with them. Mm -hmm. So like my one song across the plains and my songs are on Spotify. I love having a little fan base and I get to see which songs are streamed. You know, I get like 0. 0.001. <laughs> oh, isn't that That's... the truth? <laughs> it's cool though. Mm -hmm. um, but my one song across the plains is a story about a family during the great dust bowl in Oklahoma in the thirties and how, mm -hmm. You know, Grapes of Wrath was written about the, the Great Dust Bowl, where there was no rain for seven years in Oklahoma. Yeah. And people would pack up and then try to go to California for a better life. And mm -hmm. so I wrote a, a song just about, you know, a family having to do that and leaving and knowing you'll never see your family again. So I try to I try to tell a story in some of my songs and just try to relate, um, mm -hmm. speak for other people and stuff that they're going through. Right, right, right. I, I kind of do the same thing, but my stuff is a little more comedic based. Um, you know, the, the things I write about are just silly situations and, you know, everybody knows that guy and, um, everybody has run into somebody like that or been in that situation before. Um, some of the songs are almost kind of like a musical version of Curb Your Enthusiasm, <laughs> you know, cool. and, um, so I, I enjoy doing it. I enjoy playing and everything, uh, you know, when I get a chance to, you know, like most of the things that we do nowadays are mostly, uh, charity events or, um, 
you know, th- those types of things, charity events or you know, somewhere where we're asked. I really, we really don't pound the pavement very much looking for shows like we used to years ago. Um, we just kind of just go where we're asked, which is kind of how okay. we do it now. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's always something you can always go back to as well, you know? Um, yeah. But- but I know you what know, you, I know what you mean about the streaming. You know, you get you know, a fraction of a penny for a stream, and you know, I, I was getting checks from CD Baby. I have that. That's where I check my little sales reports. Yeah, and um, it's like you know, you get thousands and thousands. You get this ginormous spreadsheet of all these streams and everything like that. And it ends up being like 36 cents at the end or something. I know my little, I looked at my, I haven't looked in a while and I looked at my balance the other day and um, I don't know if they do it based on this year or what it is, but my balance, because they paid me out last year. I forgot how much it was. It wasn't much, but this year it's like $3 and 33 cents. I'm like, that's a lot of streams. So I'm actually happy with it. Mm. I know. It was, and I think before they paid out like, I don't know how much it was, but it was, hmm. I, I didn't expect anything of it. I certainly didn't do it for money. Right. Um, it was just for my own well being. And then when you post it on Spotify and then you see little comments or you get fans mm-hmm. uh, that follow you, it you're like, that's so cool that they, that they like my music because mm-hmm. I like it. So I'm happy they like, they like it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, and, but the thing is with, with the way that pays, I mean, technically, like if you counted streams the way you counted sales, you could have a platinum song and make like ten bucks, right? <laughs> you know, if yeah. you think about it, it's just uh, it's uh, somebody's getting something out of this, and it ain't me, right? And, and, some, and they and it's interesting because you'll get something from Napster, from Amazon, from mm-hmm. iTunes. iTunes seems to pay the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you can they they divide it up by songs too. You can see which ones are most popular. I think I know you exist has like a dollar sixty seven on yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Right, right. <laughs> that's my most popular one. I know, I know. <laughs> so how would you uh, how would you make that, or how would you recreate that into something you could hang on your wall? You know, what level of metal would you have for a dollar sixty seven in sales, even though it could be thousands? You know, would it be? Uh... <laughs> if you hit ten dollars, that's like a platinum record. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's the truth. I guess. I guess there's going to have to be a change or something somewhere, you know, because that's that's always how it goes, you know. Whenever there's um a way that the artist just isn't getting treated right, something happens and changes, so you end up getting you know paid what you're due for it. But um, yeah, because you do. I mean, I pay Jim. He, you know, I pay him a flat rate. We have it worked out um, per song. Mm-hmm. So you you you're paying out of pocket to to record your songs, but um, but it's enjoyable. Right. So even, you know, it's like acting. I mean, that costs money. I mean, every time I go to New York for an audition, it's a hundred dollars easily. And just the classes and keeping my hair color. And I had to get new headshots yesterday because mm-hmm. I hadn't had any in three years. I mean, it takes money to, to do this and not even that you need money. You don't have to be a wealthy person. You'll, cause you know, it's just, it's, but it, it's not in the entertainment. A lot of times if you do have to shell out, some money <laughs> oh you sure do i mean everything costs money you know i i like i said i run a murder mystery company you know with everything else that i'm doing too and you have overhead oh yeah i had definitely have overhead you know i pay my actors um i make sure you know we have you know we get to the show props programs yeah you're um, right it's overhead you're the business you're right that's the true way of think that's a good way of thinking of it yeah yeah and um you know i, I make sure that you know i my my folks are paid, that they're fed, that they're taken care of, that they can get to the show. And, uh-huh. um, you know, it, it does run into some money and everything like that. But the, with, the, with, with the price that I'm paying for there, I get loyalty out of my actors. You know, my actors yeah. are there for me. They take care of me. I remember um, last year I had to have an emergency appendectomy, and I'm laying in my hospital bed, and I called a couple of my actors. They're like, we'll cover it. Don't worry about it. We got the show. We'll take care That's of it. so nice. Yeah, yeah, and um, and we have a good family. You know, we really had a lot of bonding last year, especially when we did a uh, five week run of Polar Express um, out in uh, Cumberland on a train. You know, this, one of my accounts that I do murder mysteries with, we did Polar Express, and um, that was a great experience too last year. Oh, that's great! Yeah, 
Yeah. That's yeah. cool. So you never know where acting and the arts and everything will take you, you know, but I've, I've enjoyed my ride so far, you know, um, when I was younger, you know, especially playing in bands and doing original material and traveling around, I went through a lot of rejection, but I have to say the last, I'd say maybe, you know, 12, 15 years have been nothing but great. Good. Nothing but great, you know. Nothing, That's wonderful. Yep. So I, I guess maybe I finally found where I should be. I found the right place for me to be, you know, so, uh. So great. So one thing that we like to ask about, uh, which is a lot of fun, is um, disaster stories or war stories. Or if it's a band, I ask about Spinal Tap moments. Do you have anything like that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, um, yeah I have a few. But the one that really stands out is, um, and I love Spinal Tap, by the way. It's one of my favorite films. <laughs> um, I... <laughs> I went, to, I had an audition for the blacklist, one of like 12 auditions that I've had for the blacklist. Me but, too. And, I'm in the same boat. And they're so sweet, right? Mm-hmm. Bonnie Finnegan and Zoe can't be nicer. Mm-hmm. And they were one of the first offices to call me in. And I've probably auditioned maybe at this point, like three or four times. Mm-hmm. So, um, and just a couple of callbacks that I hadn't booked and I had to be a reporter mm-hmm. and it was a lot of lines. I had those lines memorized. I mean, it was so memorized. I had practiced. I knew the words. So I go into the room and Bonnie's like, just look right into the camera. And I should have practiced looking into a camera is what I should have done. And now I will Um, look into the camera and just, you know, go ahead and and start when you're ready. When I tell you I couldn't remember one word. I couldn't remember one word. Oh, no. So they were like, okay, it's this word. <laughs> they kind of started me off. I'm like, okay, right, right, right. So then I got to like the middle and I'm like, go, I'm thinking, okay, I've got it. I've got it. And then I just went blank. <laughs> so then I started having an out of body experience. Oh boy. So I'm like panic attacks is setting in. I'm now having an out of body experience. And, um, and I, so he's like, just try it again. It's okay. You know, go ahead tried it like two more times and I finally looked up at her and I said um I can't do it it's not gonna happen (laughs) (laughs) and she goes that's okay I mean we got a little bit of one of them which she really didn't she's just being nice right and I and she said it's okay don't worry about it and I'm like I didn't apologize I didn't say I'm so sorry Mm -hmm. I didn't uh, make an excuse I just said it's just not going to happen today Right, right. And um, I, I walked out of there with my head held high, thanked them very I'm on the phone, thanked them very much and um, and walked out of the walked through the waiting room. You know, there's a waiting room there with other actors, still mm-hmm. feeling an out of body experience, and walked out to the hallway and called Georgianne. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, they will never call me again. Mm. And they did. Right. They they gave me more chances. Sure. But you, isn't that horrible to forget? Oh. I did that in a class once too at one-on-one where mm-hmm. I was at, with John Ort, a big casting director. And um, same thing, 20 people are staring at me. Mm-hmm. I think Jill Stern was in the room actually. She was taking it with me. And I did the same thing, forgot my lines, started having a – when I say out-of-body experience, I can see my body on the ground and I'm floating above it. Right, right, right. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. It's terrible. Oh, it is. The, the, those are the worst feelings in the world because um, I, I'd had those kinds of things happen actually live on stage in the past. Oh God, I can um, only, uh, horrible. It was, we were doing the sound of music and I was playing Herr Zeller. And, um, here I was, I'm wearing, uh, I was the, uh, the guy who's like the Nazi recruiter. And, um, you know, I come in and, um, and the thing was, it wasn't on opening night that this happened. This happened, I think like five or six shows into the run which was really bizarre. You know, I come out on stage and I come in and what I was supposed to do was come in and say Heil. And then, um, I was talking to Max Detweiler and the children because that was when, uh, you know, captain and Maria were on their honeymoon. Okay. So I was supposed to come in and say, um, you know, Heil, you know, where is captain Von Trapp? And then, you know, it was supposed to be an interaction. He's away on his honeymoon. Well, who, you know, and, so he's singing in this concert. What's this concert I'm hearing about? So, you know, I come out there and I had absolutely nothing. I had absolutely nothing. I come out and I said, Heil. And then there was just that. You forgot the Hitler part? Well, I forget. I remembered that part. You know, I did that part, <laughs> you know, because that was kind of a given. Yes. Um, and I, uh, yeah, yeah, I came out, did that. 
And then all of a sudden, Heil, then I was like, Heil what? Oh my God, what did I... And then I'm just sitting there, and, and it was like that second, you know, 1,001, 1,002. Uh-huh. And I was like 1,003, and I was like, nothing's coming out. So finally, I just looked at, you know, the guy playing Max Detweiler, and I said, who are you? And then he looks at me, and his eyes were like the size of dinner plates. Uh-huh. And he said, uh, Max Detweiler? And I said, so then I just started improvising. I said, so you are Max Dittweiler, huh? Well, um, I was here for Captain Von Trapp. Where is Captain Von Trapp? And then finally, we took that car that was spinning into the grassy median in the middle of the highway, and we were able to get the steer, get our hands on the steering wheel and straighten it out and get it back on the road. But boy, Boy, was that interesting. <laughs> you know? and, yes. uh, and that was teamwork, too. We were able to kind of like, you know, it was almost like hitting a volleyball back and forth. The two That's of us right. were, were able to, uh, since we had known each other, performed with each other a number of times, um, it ended up working out. But um, And it's something you can laugh about since it was eight years ago. But um, at the time, it wasn't very funny, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, at the time, you're dying. You're so embarrassed. I know. It is. It is. But you know what, though, Michael, I went back and watched what I did in mm-hmm. that class. Right. And I was so scared to watch it because, you know, they're recorded. Mm-hmm. And this was like probably four years ago. And I was so scared to watch it. And when I watched it, it wasn't as bad as I thought. Right. I, right, right. I, I stumbled through it. I forgot lines, mm-hmm. but I handled it. And I and Jill even said she was like, "Don't beat yourself up too much, Shannon." Because I, I my blood sugar had dropped. I hadn't eaten. You know, it was like nine thirty. Mm. And for me, I thought it was just a nightmare. So I think even if you forget your lines or you mess up, it is how you handle yourself. And I did stay composed. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I I got my you know I had my paper, right? So I was able to look down on it. It it's it was like the end of the world to me at that moment. But then when I was able to look back on it, it wasn't as bad as I thought. Mm. And that's what you have to remember when you're just like crashing and burning. Um, when you're crashing and burning, it's not as it may not be as bad as you thought it was. It was. And the thing is, I think if you play cool and you don't get paranoid and you don't start yelling gibberish or anything like that, to um, as long as you maintain your cool and everything, truthfully, and if you say something at least. You know, the people in the audience really don't know any different. They don't know. They don't know that you weren't supposed to say that, or they don't know that you left this word out, or that, or you know, this, that, or the other thing out of it. You know, they uh, they just kind of uh, you know just they're just watching the show, and you know, this is what's going on, and this is what the scene is, and um, so I've, I've told myself that on a couple of times when I've you know flubbed a line, or or sometimes too, you know, I've had to been the one to. Uh, reach over and grab the steering wheel too, um, you know, to help somebody else out. And uh, just as long as you maintain your cool and, you know, you don't get that big deer in the headlights look or, um, right. you know, you're uh, you're okay. I, I was on stage one time with a guy who, um, and uh, he, he was new to the show. He was brought in as a substitute for somebody else. And... Um, he was trying to think of his line. He was trying to think of his line. He starts going, um, um, and then he like snapped, he like swung his arm and like snapped his finger, like, darn, I forgot it. And I was just like, oh my God. And, um, so finally we all just kind of started saying things to him to kind of pull him back into the script and everything. But you know, with him, like, you know what I mean? Like, like, darn, I forgot it. He like snapped his finger like that. And we were like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. Yep. I I'm had, glad we had similar things. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And there was another time when somebody told me I sucked. And, um, oh, God. <laughs> this was a, um, we were doing the music man, and I was in the barbershop quartet. And, um, it was the first time I'd done barbershop. And truthfully, you know, we weren't really used to doing it. And we all sounded more like four guys in unison as compared to a barbershop harmony for the first show. And apparently there were a bunch of barber shoppers at the show. And um, I'm a barber shopper now, by the way, but um, I was the base. And um, I was out in the lobby talking to some people. And some guy comes up to me and he goes, you're supposed to be the base in that quartet. And that was god awful. You really sucked up there. And I was like, well, thank oh my you. Gosh. <laughs> I was like, okay, uh, 
Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm not going to punch you out because there are ladies present, but, you know, uh, <laughs> thank you. Glad you enjoyed the show, you know. <laughs> so rude. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, but, uh, but yeah, so, um, so great. So you have, you know, a number of things, you know, getting ready to come out here. And, um, is there anything you'd like to plug or anything, um, you know, other projects or anything we haven't mentioned that you'd like to, uh, you know, tell everybody about? Uh, yeah, I have. Um, we'll start shooting Finding Christmas, which are the same writer. It's the same writer and director from Snow Babies. Oh. Um, so we're excited to, to start working on that. It had to be put on pause because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're working that out, and I get to play a South Philly mob boss's wife. So I get to have the South Philly accent and, you know, have the wig and all. I mean, it's just going to be really fun. So I'm looking. It's a different character. I, I like doing accents, so I'm happy to. Mm-hmm to play a part like that and then we're shooting Halston which will be on Netflix it's a Ryan Murphy production starring mm-hmm. Ewan McGregor and um, I'll, I'm working on that right now so that's very exciting okay good good I've, I've seen Halston listed I guess is is this a second season or of it's a first season it's oh. um it's just it's a limited series there'll be six episodes oh okay okay, okay. and I'm in two of them and they're shooting it that was we shot March 12th it was shut down and then oh. they picked back up with production. Okay. Um, and the people that I'm working with are like, uh, I was there last week and I, I spoke to this lovely woman. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're all dressed in, I'm wearing a wig. We're dressed in the 70s clothes with mm-hmm. the makeup and everything. <laughs> and I love talking to her. And I found out later that it's this Broadway icon. Oh. Kelly Bishop is her name. Mm. She she originated the role of Sheila in a chorus line and mm. was the mother in dirty dancing, which is one of my favorite films. Oh, and, right, um, right. you know, the, the, the people that I'm working with are these, these unbelievable actors. It's just really cool. That is great. That is great. This is, well, sounds like these are some wonderful productions and I can't wait to see them when they're out. Oh, and everything this one's going to be great. This is going to be right. Um, it's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal for me. And when I'm working with a lot of, great names, like I said, and I'm very nervous and the people are so nice. They're mm-hmm. so nice, which I am very grateful for. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, we have snow babies on Amazon prime, um, and, or the, any of the other ones on there too? Um, any other ones we can look up and see? I know you mentioned Halston is on Netflix. Yeah, that, that won't be out till next year. Okay. Um, no, the, uh, my stuff that I have is in post-production or, um, pre-production so really the only thing because the other ones are short films sure, when father right. went biking and a wounded deer they they were in festivals um okay. you could probably find them online but the ones that people could see right now snow babies snow babies definitely watch snow babies i like i said i i give that if i were siskel and ebert i would give that film a two thumbs up definitely that's you know? one thank you so much the audience really has get left very good reviews and it's sno babies that yeah. people Right. I'll look that up. Right. And you'll as you watch the movie, you'll figure out the meaning of that title because it's in there mm-hmm. there are a few times it's in there. So uh wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Well, Shannon, it's been Thank a real you. pleasure having you with us tonight. Um it's always great to reach out and speak with a fellow CPM talent management. Oh uh, yeah. Um, yeah, person. And, um, like I said, you know, all the best of luck to you and everything with these new productions coming out. I can't wait to see them and you had better come back and see me again. You know, um, that well, is... I hope Georgian will keep pounding the payment for us and we'll, we'll be talking to one another about our, our, both of our productions we have coming in. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I can't wait to get, you know, I just can't wait for this mess to be over with and to be out there working again. Um, you know, it's been, it's been a tough year this year. I only ended up with like one job. It was a you know, kind of a smaller one, but I was glad to have it. But yeah, hopefully, absolutely. I really think, you know, all the theaters and all the productions and everything are just going to come roaring back because not oh, only... it's going to be a renaissance. Yeah, I mean, you know, not only because they can, but, you know, there are people with that have had a lot of downtime and the chance to kind of go back to the drawing board. And I really think a lot of great things are going to come out. I really think a lot of great it's things gonna are going to come renaissance. out. It's going to be a I, I, It's going to be a creative renaissance. We have writers, mm-hmm. musicians that have been stuck and not been able to tour. I mean, I just feel like the creative mm-hmm. content that's going to be coming out next year or two years from now are going to be phenomenal. I think it's just going to be a revolution right. creatively. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Shannon, thank you again for being with us. Um, it's a pleasure. You know, please come back anytime. And thank you all for listening. This has been Shannon Wilson here on Foul Players Radio, and we will see you next time. Thank you, Shannon. Thank you so much. Bye. See you later. Hey everybody, it's John Orlando from the PBD Cast. Are you wondering where you can find my podcast? Well, it's real simple. Just go over to pbdcast.com, the online home of yours truly, or it's available through all of those major podcasting platforms. Just search for it in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio app. And don't forget that every single Monday night at 8 o'clock, I do a live broadcast of the week's episode of the PBD Cast through the Facebook page. Just go over to Facebook.com and search for at PBDCast and join me every Monday night at 8 p.m. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to get on out of here. So I'll chat at each and every one of you later. This podcast is part of the SJ Network. Go to s-j-network.com for more great podcasts and for contact information on publicist Steve Joyner.